Welcome to the Hope United Church Podcast. We are one church with two locations. For video live streams of our services and more information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk. talk about something I'm not going to this is not going to be an expository message and it's not going to be that long it's not going to be an expository famous last words uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not going to be that long uh, and I'm not going to it's not going to be expository so I'm not going to get through it normally the way I would line upon line precept I, w- I won't do it that way uh, I, I, it is the right way to preach on a regular basis that you should be expository in what you communicate uh, but it's not always, sometimes you're just teaching and or you're pulling out something that's important from it. And this is a message that <laughs> I heard when I was away and I couldn't get it out of my mind. And it was, it was part of Phil Johnson's two-part message. Uh, and he took it a wee bit in a different angle. And I, I, it's not to say that it's wrong. I believe everything he says was right and biblical. But I couldn't get an idea out of my head when he was preaching it. And me and Calum were talking about it. And, and, and this is what I say is, I says, they've missed something. And it was no correct him or anything. And I was just like, there's something bigger than that that's been missed in amongst this teaching. You know, there's just, there's another thing that just keeps on speaking to me. And this has been going on since he spoke about this since on Sunday. And I'm like, I, I can't get this out of my mind. And, and I think it's so prevalent for learning about prayer as well. Um, let me get into it and then we'll pray and then if I share some things about the pharaohs and what we've learned there and what's happened, I've obviously been injured. Uh, uh, we get invited back to a famous... He's famous in the pharaohs, I've never heard him. Uh, but he's, he's a guy in the pharaohs who, who, who sells fish to Vladimir Putin personally. Okay, personally to Vladimir Putin and there's a restaurant in Norway some of you if you are into any of this stuff you will have heard of this restaurant even if you've maybe watched MasterChef there's a world famous restaurant it's always ranked in the top three restaurants in the world it's called Nomo Nomo it's in Norway and it's one of the restaurants that you crack an egg open and eat feathers made of chocolate no it's one of the restaurants <laughs> what, do you know one of the crazy things one of the concept no one of the concept restaurants is about £500 for a meal well, he he trains some of the, the, the he trains some of the fish the, the chefs here how to make fish and all this. So this guy, so somebody says to you, see if he ever invites you. He was really Viking, when he was dead Viking, wasn't he? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a big Viking, and he invited. He says to, he says if you ever get invited back to his house, it's a bit. It would cost about three hundred and fifty pound, three hundred pound a head to go. He says, but he invites you back to his house, and he gives you a master class in cooking. And you help him with your knives <laughs> at the time. I says, all right. So he invited his back. <laughs> Calm's like, ah, sorry, we've been invited somewhere else. I could have killed him. <laughs> and then I'm like, ah, but the, good enough, the guy's like, okay, tomorrow then. Well, there were no, he wasn't getting to speak again. <laughs> we're gone. So the next day, no way. So the next day we get invited back to Susan. We had this mat. Oh, it was amazing. Honestly, what we were... Uh, and this is in his house too, you know, and you're a bit reserved, but all you can do is just be yourself and just be stupid, can you? Uh, so we ended up having a great time, but he didn't tell me that the the bistro table 
which looked just like a bee. No, they silver round bistro tables. They just look like a round silver bistro table. And he said, just watch, that's quite hot. But I didn't think the bistro table was a cooker. So I just went like that, no, wet paint. I went like that. Next thing, do you know what? I can't believe, and it must be a thing there. They didn't even say anything. I was like, I've burnt myself. I've burnt myself. That's all I said. I said, I said, I've burnt myself here. And it was like all the skin was all three of them. I said, I've burnt myself. And they just went like, get hot water. That was it. I'm like, what? Get cold water. I mean, it would have been as well saying that as much. They couldn't have gave a rap. I nearly cut my finger off and out as well with a knife. No, and he says, clean the knife and the knife. I'm talking really sharp. So I just went like, I just think it was like a slate knife at work. I just went like and cleaned it. And he's like, whoa. And nearly took, I'm still having nightmares about it. Then a couple of days, I'm like, oh, now you think about what could have happened, but didn't harm. Yeah. So we went back there and we had a great chat with the guy. So, so anyway, let's, let's move on. But this teaching that was done and then I've been listening to other commentaries about this message and they always go the same way. So I'm not trying to be different here because uh, I just think there, there seems to be some that they've missed. I don't know why they're playing it. Uh, but let me, let me go here. Let's go to Matthew 15. Matthew 15, I'm going to read from verse 21 to 28. This is the last year We'll go back into the Gospel of John. Jesus is in the last six months. Man, he's in a season, and to know this and maybe to help you is that in the last year of Jesus' ministry, he never taught the disciples a parable again. In the last year of his ministry, in the last twelve months of Jesus' ministry, he simply was equipping them and teaching them to be saints and become disciples. So there were no real teaching on the parables. He was teaching them facts. So. Just, just for your reference, if you're ever interested in that. So there was, what he taught in the last year was very much focused on the apostles and what he was teaching them. So rather than teaching them stories, it was factual and things that were going to help their life per se. As I say, I'm not going to be expository here, uh, although you could be and it would be wonderful to get through this. It'd probably take a couple of weeks. So I just want to pick, pick out a point that's going to help us as we get into prayer tonight. Uh, Matthew 15, 21 to 28. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Just to let you know quickly where that is. That's in Phoenicia, which would be uh, north. If Israel's here, uh, Jerusalem's here. It would be up here in the coast. And it's on the coastal road that would go over into the Mediterranean. So over into the Mediterranean, Greece and that. And the area was known as Phoenicia at that point. Tyre and Sidon would have been on there. Probably modern day Lebanon would have been there. And Jesus is departing there because he's trying to get away from the crowd. They've been thronging him for so long. And it's like uh, he's, he's moving away. And he's going into Tyre and Sidon, which was a really Gentile region. Uh, if you're interested in any of this stuff, Sidon is, is where Jezebel came from. Uh, that's where she comes from. And it was a place that was very wealthy. It was very affluent. Baal, where they would, where they would worship all the, the gods. and uh, So it was a very affluent place. But anyway, he's left there. And it says, And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region. And in the Gospel of Mark, when it's paralleled here in the synoptics of the, of the Gospel, it says that she's Syro- Phoenician, that's where she came from, this area. Uh, 
And from that region, and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her, not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep, the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped and saying, Children's bread and through dire, and her daughter was healed from that moment. Uh, as, as I was hearing this teacher, and I've been listening to commentaries, and I say, I don't want to be, I'm not saying that none of them were right in any way. I just felt as I was reading this and I was listening to it, there were other things that I was hearing in the story. And it's not just about what you hear because I need to be accurate in the scripture. Let me just get back through and see a few things. I say, I don't want to be totally expository here. Uh, Jesus departed to Tyre and Sidon and it just says, And behold, a woman of came and came from the region and cried out to him, saying, eh, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. So this woman's came. She's been from that area. Jesus has retreated. He's in this eh, retreating with the disciples. And here this woman, desperate. And this is only where you, this desperate for her daughter. When I heard this talk at the weekend, uh, brilliantly, and I've heard commentaries on it and I've heard other people preaching on it, they see me so focused on her and her faith, which is right. But they seem to miss out most that I've read about why she's doing this in the first place. And she's doing it in the first place for something beyond faith. This is love. She's so, this is about, no, about her. This is about her daughter. It's solely about her daughter. She's not looking for anything for herself, but something for her daughter. And then she says, eh, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. So right away, here you can tell, she's calling him son of David. Have mercy on me, Lord. So this woman is in no doubt, as a Canaanite, uh, a Canaanite woman, she knows that, that this means that she's a Gentile. She's not of Jewish descent in any way. They were a lower class of people in that era, around about that time, way lower class of people. And But here this woman, she knows, it says, O Lord, son of David. So she's given... Jesus, she knows who he is. She knows he's the Messiah. And without doubt, uh, this woman has done everything. And this is what I want to appeal to before we, as I say this before we get into prayer, is the lens we go to when we love people. And I think it was, I, I was speaking to Calum about that and Phil was talking, I was he talking about? No, I was there. I was, but I, I did feel as if he missed something. I did feel as if, it, I just felt, they're not talking about this woman's love for their sibling. They're talking about everyone else, but know their love for the sibling that drives you beyond any sort of... It, and it's not that the women's no get faith that will get you here. Oh, Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely... So this is all he's here for. She's try, I would guess she's tried everything. She comes from an area. She comes from an area that's really wealthy. She come, No, that is one of the richest places. No, Tyre and Sidon and, and Phoenicia, it was very wealthy throughout history. In fact, God, you know, you read about it in the Old Testament where it was, it was known for that. It was known for a wealthy, rich place. I think where it was on the coast as well. No, it was, it was, it was the, a port where, so, so it was a wealthy place. So there's no doubt that this woman spent, she's done everything she could to try and get her daughter well because she's demon-possessed. And she's severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word, and you're thinking, what's this here? What's going on here? And I say, I'm not wanting to get into it too much. He's, not, he's answered her not a word. He's like ignoring her. And, and Jesus is no ignoring her. We know this. We would know this if we know Christ. Jesus is ignoring her. Jesus is here to do two things. 
he, he, the, the scripture before this is where Peter walks in the water, just to let you know. The, the, the verse before it's about Peter walking in the water when he has little faith. And this woman has extraordinary faith. So we're going for somebody with little faith to extraordinary faith. So when Jesus is ignoring her, because of the, what he's trying to teach, I believe that what he's doing is he's, he's showing the disciples the difference between what faith is and how easy it is to give up in faith. And I think we could all have more faith, couldn't we? Uh, so his disciples came and urged him saying, send her away. He answered not a word. So he's just, it's as if he's ignored it. Uh, I heard a commentary saying this, which I think is good. He says that, he, say, he, he told a story of a pastor. And he says, uh, I know a pastor who knew that there were loads of people in the church who wanted him to leave. He says, and they were ready, they wanted rid of him, they didn't like him. And he knew there were loads of gossip going on in the church. So one Sunday morning, he stands up on the church platform and he says, uh, I've heard some of you are not happy with me. He says, so anybody who's not happy with me, can you just stand up and tell me your name and what you're not happy about? He says, and the neighbor just said a thing. He says, I'll take it with your silence. You don't mean it. And you want me to stay. We'll not be talking about it again. And so... <laughs> What the point was, the guy's making is sometimes your silence is your endorsement. It's not necessarily going against it. It can be your endorsement, just the silence. But he answered her not a word. I believe what's happening here, though, is, is that Jesus is, he knows everything. He's omniscient. He's, he's, teaching, he's teaching here the lens that, that he knows where this lens this woman's going to go to. I know he's went to Tyre. He's ended up in somebody's house. He's shut the doors. He's in this retreat. Shut the doors of the house. We his disciples. The 12 of them were there at this point. And he's with the 12 disciples. He's, he's got away from the crowd because they're thronging him constantly for miracles. And he's, he's having this time with the disciples. And the next thing, this woman comes and you know, anywhere he went, he couldn't be unnoticed. So this woman came and noticed him and started shouting. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. What? No. She started screaming, shouting nonstop. Uh, and Jesus says, and he said a word and the disciples then step in and then say, and the disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away, for she cries out after us. Now, what the disciples are, the disciples are not saying, send her away. Uh, some people say that the disciples are sending her away, saying, Jesus, heal her and send her away. Fix her and send her away. Anything I read, I can't find that. I can't find that. I know a lot of commentators, I know a lot of uh, expositors are saying that. I can't see it where... They would just say, heal her and send her away. I think they're just saying, get rid of her. They're, she's actually getting on my nerves. We're on a retreat here. Yeah, we're on a retreat here. We can't be bothered being annoyed. We can't be bothered being annoyed with healing or fixing somebody. Also, as well as they had a mindset of where this Gentile woman was. I want to just put this across... Uh, have you ever had such a low opinion of somebody that you don't care enough about them to think about them to pray for them? That's my point. I, that's the point here. I don't even think I don't even think they care enough. And what they're happening is, is if they keep screaming, it means more people's going to come. I believe this is where the disciples are. Right. They think you're messing with my spa weekend. I've got a weekend away here. I'm on a weekend away. Let's not be talking about healing and Jesus and the Messiah here. Don't you know this is my weekend away? Gary, shut up. If he doesn't get you know, that's what they're saying. Also, let me just put in an offshoot. See when Jesus is, see when Jesus is no answered. 
I believe the disciples also of this. This is an offshoot. I believe they're constantly preempting what Jesus is thinking. If you ever know answered somebody, somebody's no answered, and you start to preempt what you think they're saying, so they're second guessing. See, because Jesus ignored her, they're presuming that he doesn't like her, he doesn't care about her. So they're preempting what Jesus is saying. That's another thing in amongst that that's, that's more than likely going on. Uh, he sent her away, send her away, for she cries out after us, and they just don't want annoyed. No, they're just, he's just a pest. And they've got such a low opinion of her anyway that they just want Nadia. And then it says, but he answered. He's no answering her, he's answering them. But he answered and said, I was, I was not sent except but the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I can't get into detail about that because it's going to take me a, bit, a whole night to talk about that because it sounds dead derogatory, doesn't it? No, no, I'm not here to save you. You know, and it sounds like a, a shun or a, he's just shut the woman off. But I'm not here for you. Do you think I came to help you? I didn't come for you. I came for the lost sheep of Israel, which inevitably is true because the whole plan of Christ was is that the Jews would get saved and then through the Jews, we would get saved. Us Gentiles would get saved through that. That is the major plan. That is the overall plan. Hence why he, he fed the disciples. Hence why he trained them. Hence why Paul was saved to go to the Gentiles and one souls. That is the case, but it's not only that. Uh, and he's, he's sharing a point here, I believe. He's letting the disciples know, wait till you see what this woman does next. It's not as if he's like, oh, can I can't believe her, she's still here. It's Jesus we're talking about here. And he, he's, he's saying to the disciples, wait till you see, I believe this is what he's saying. Wait till you see what love does. Wait till you see how love won't take no for an answer. Do you understand? Wait till you see how love won't take no for an answer. See when you've got somebody you love. Uh, this is her daughter. This is, this is her maybe only daughter. I don't know. This is a daughter who's suffering daily. And she's no one to take no for an answer. Love does not take no for an answer. Yeah. And every time I've been reading this, I think this gets missed constantly in the scripture. And it get missed when it was getting taught. And I'm thinking, we're, we're, chasing, we're in the profound faith here. And we forgot the very thing about what is driving this woman? It is faith that's driving her. Let me just back up here. It's, of course it's faith that's driving her. Do you know why? You know it's also faith that's driving her. And this is why you know the difference between love and no love. And I'll get into this before I bring it into land. This woman has tried everything and nothing's worked. She knows Jesus can heal her. It's not maybe. She knows. She knows that Jesus can heal her daughter. He, she knows that no one else can. No human can. No medicine can. Nobody can fix this problem but Jesus. And she knows that nobody can fix this problem but Jesus. That's the level of this woman's faith. Her level of faith is, is no one else can heal my daughter. No, nobody else can fix the problem. That has to be a level of faith when we go to Jesus and behalf of other people. We don't go, this is the problem. We have to be going to Jesus. We're saying, I know that no other human being, no other human power, no other thing will fix my daughter's condition but you. Only you can fix this. And so therefore, she's no easy life. She's not even offended as we move on and see. Word except. In fact, in other versions, it says only. 
Except, it says in the New King James. What do you mean except? I mean, you're not saving us at all. I mean, it's really, it's cotton. And you're thinking here, where, where do I take Jesus with us? What kind of saviour have I got here? Where am I going with this? And, and I believe what Jesus is doing is he's, this is all, he knows, if he's, he knows everything. And he knows the level this woman's going to go to. And he wants the disciples to see the level. Previously going to an extraordinary lens. He went to extraordinary lens to step out the boat. In fact, I heard a brilliant thing when, when Phil Johnson was talking about Peter stepping out the boat. And I don't know why I'd never seen it before, but he just said this and I thought, oh my goodness, it takes extraordinary faith. He says he was out in a boat in the Pharaohs. That's rough. I know you've been out in rough, Matthew, eh? That's rough and all. That's, that's, that's rough on rough. <laughs> I mean, you're, na- you're not going out there for a paddle. It's rough, and I think you would only last, what did they say, about four or five seconds in the water? It's about Baltic. No long anyway. And Phil Johnson says that he, when he was studying for, for the John 14 message, uh, the Matthew 14 message about Peter walking in water and little faith, he says as he was studying, he'd been preparing it all week, and uh, he went out on a boat trip. Uh, when he was there, he was there a bit longer than us, and he was out on a boat trip. And he says he was looking over the water, and he thought, and it was stormy, it was a bit choppy, the exact same as it was the night Peter that walked in water. Remember, it was the wind was blowing, the waves are crashing. Lord, if it's you, call me forth. Mm-hmm. Think about that. And he says, I just imagined at that moment what it would have been like for me to step over that boat. I think about that. And I'd never seen it. He just painted an amazing picture of what that must have been like. Because saying you're going to step over the boat, sitting in here in a comfortable seat, is a completely different emotion going on. Yeah. You've not got the same emotion. You'll have a completely different emotion going on when you are on a boat. Think about stepping over. Matthew was a fisherman. Think about it. What it must have, even the thought, I mean, it's saying it like that doesn't mean anything. It's, 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 it's tinsel and baubles. Saying it when you're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Jesus, if it's you, come forth. Come. All right then. I mean, it, it, it's extraordinary faith. But here in this next story, although Peter had that faith and then he started to look at the wind, didn't he? And, and then he started to sink and he would have been, a, I mean, think about it, faith. And, oh, it'd be easy to go, well, I've been said no, but our love also gets the crumbs under the table. So you know they're talking about a pet dog rather than talking about a wild dog that would run about in their, their regions. Jews would call Gentile dogs. They'd such a low opinion on Jesus has no meaning it like that. And, and she said, yes, Lord. But wait, you hear this? This is what love does. We've just been humiliated there. We've just been, she has just been literally, she's been humiliated with 12 disciples. The Lord seems to be ignoring her. He's either not saying anything here or what he's saying here seems quite derogatory. And then she just answers, yes, Lord, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which have fallen to the master's table. See, this is, this is, this is, this is faith. Of course it's faith. But faith's no the greatest. I never even popped the title, didn't I? Know. Put it up. It's irrelevant, really. This is about love. She's got faith. Because she's got faith that nobody else can fix. See, real love knows who's the only one that can fix the people you love. 
Do you get what I mean? Real faith is to know that there's only one who can sort the love that you have for somebody. Okay, that's, that's the faith. That's the faith. That's, that's real love. To, see, we live in a world where we think love is to give somebody's needs. We think love is to make somebody feel comfortable. We think, and that can be encompassed in it, but it's no, it's, it, it, that's no real love. Real love is encompassed in faith. In fact, faith and hope is, is, is an ingredient to love. And the reason it is, is because, here's the question, do you think God's got faith? No, he's no faith. He doesn't need faith. Do you think God's got hope? No, he's, he's, he hasn't got hope, he is. He hasn't a faith and hope. See, when you die and go to heaven, you won't longer have faith. Nor will you have hope. You'll only have one thing that remains. You'll only have love. And it encompasses faith and it encompasses hope. So real love, we, when we were away, we were in at the, 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 the big guy's house, big... What was his name? Marnie. Marnie? Marna. Marna. I'll be calling him Marnie. <laughs> Up until right now. <laughs> and interestingly, his daughter was there and she was helping us cook and cut the sea urchin and all that and it was great. Then he had another daughter and she came out and she sat with us. She was 12. She looked about 18, but she was 12. And she sat with us in the hot burning bistro table. Told me nothing either, because they all had their wee secret snigger. Uh, not a victim. And uh, anyway, she sat and she never said much. And then I'd been mentioning, we'd been talking about all different stuff. I'd been mentioning about mobile phones. You know, I'd done my thinking church recently about the sound of silence and how that takes you away and people can't communicate and all that. And no knowing that their daughter's got this kind of serious thing going on where she's obsessed with mobile phones and can't talk to him. Anyway, and then they were telling her she's in love with Justin Bieber and all that, and they're wealthy, so she's been to Justin Bieber concerts and that, you know what I mean? So uh, uh, You don't need to be wealthy to go to Justin Bieber concerts. You need to be wealthy to go to Justin Bieber concerts if you live in the Pharaohs. Okay. <laughs> okay, so the time you get there, so... And as they were talking, they were quite liberal, I felt. Uh, I, I felt they were quite worldly. Uh, if not very worldly, as it became apparent. And I don't mean to be disrespectful, because they were very kind. But it became very apparent they were worldly. And it became very apparent, you know, that the Reformed and the Bibliology and, and, and Sola Scriptura was... It didn't mean that much to them. They were very critical of being too... Christ-centred, I felt. And I'm saying to myself, I never said it out loud, I thought, and that's why you're embracing your daughter to do that, and you think that's love. And you think that's love. No, love is what this woman did. Love is that this woman not an option other than Christ. You think you're loving your daughter, and you, th you think that's love? Uh, by embracing their worldliness and embracing their life and giving them their worldly desires because they don't know any better. You think that's real love? You think that's going to lead to anything? The interesting thing is, they're embracing what they believed about the Justin Bieber tour. You lack a faith. 
Your lack of faith is giving your daughter a different kind of love. <laughs> and the love that she's got is no help my faith. And now she's only got hope in Justin. Now she's got Bieber fever. Then Jesus answered and she says, Yes, Lord, even the little dogs eat the crumbs, talking about pups that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and says to her, Oh, woman, great is your faith. It be to you. Did you hear this? And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Now, when, when, when I heard these stories getting told, they were no talk about the daughter. She was like a subplot. There was no talk about the daughter being healed. It was all about the woman's faith. It's a type of faith. Oh. And to me, what resounds in here is, yeah, faith, but what resounds in me is a love. I don't think she's looking to get saved. I don't think she gives a rip about whether she's getting saved or not. I think it's irrelevant to you and your love. You're not thinking about yourself. I think you're thinking about them. These three things this woman, this woman knows no one else, nothing else, not one thing can heal her. This daughter, nothing else will satisfy Jesus. That's, this is a faith that Justin Bieber will not make the way last year. Today with that, what we're fighting for. I see people fighting stuff for their kids today and I think, you're fighting, that's not the thing. That's, there's a lot of pain in that and there's almost a lack of real love. She knows who Jesus is. She knows he's the Messiah. Her hope is only in him. She's so desperate. Wait till this. This is what I love. She's so desperate that she doesn't care about being offended. Some of us won't teach the gospel to MD or share the gospel with MD because we're worried how it makes us feel. She's been embarrassed and humiliated by 12 men. And, and Jesus who looks in all intents purposes who's just dissing her. If you like. See, love doesn't care about that. It does not care about being embarrassed. She's not worried about being ashamed because she's carrying all that shame. No, you little dog. and She's not caring about that. As far as she's concerned, she's only got one chance and there's only one solution to take away the pain of her daughter's life. That's where her faith lies and that's where her love lies. Her love is such that she is driven so much by love. This is how much that she knows Jesus is her only solution. You know the level of love you've got when you're only driven by the love that people know Christ. When you're driven by anything else, it can't be love. It can be loads of things. It can be need. We're knowing about practical things here, so let me just put that caveat there. We know there's practical things that's needed, and, and it's love. Her love is such that she's driven by only one solution. Jesus takes her and the disciples through this whole process and this emotional, devastating situation that is all to show this woman's faith. It's to show her faith in what lens people with real, non-self-seeking faithfulness will desire for her lives. She doesn't care what others say. She doesn't take no for an answer she doesn't take silence as a means to walk away empty handed she doesn't care that she's no the chosen one some is doesn't care that she's no but she's bought she's not even on the wrong never mind the bottom of the wrong she's not even on the wrong she's not even included 
She's so no included that she's not even deserve any crumbs. She's nothing. She's, Jesus has got all this teaching and all this stuff here. She's not even included in that, that she deserves even any of that. And she doesn't care. Because that is not what she's listening for. That's what she hears. She doesn't take silence as a means of walking away empty-handed. She doesn't care that she's no chosen. She doesn't care that she isn't top of the class. She doesn't care that she's no talk of the parent. No, no, why? No, like, you hear people going, I see it all the time. You see it with kids and you think, their parents are trying to get their kids elevated to greatness. It's, 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 it is ugly, isn't it? No. Really ugly. Parents bragging about kids is ugly. There's an ugliness about that. I think I find it offensive. I don't find it offensive. I find it sad. Of course you want to love in your kids and serve your kids and praise your kids and love in your kids and you don't want them bad mouthed and you don't want them mistreated. Of course you don't want any of that. But praising them and putting them on a pedestal is your special child. None of that. This woman doesn't care anything about pink order. She's just looking for just looking for Jesus to touch her daughter's life. All he cares about. This is real faith. And she knows that only him can do it. Total hope or total faith and her total love that's driven her nothing else. Okay, let's bring this in and I'll close. The disciples, on the other hand, they moaned. They kept saying to Jesus, send her away. She's affecting her wee holiday, her little retreat. We're never going to get time on our own here. Come on, Jesus, can I not keep you to myself a wee bit? Come on, me and you. This is your time together, Christ. It's like they have became or always were insensitive towards people, especially them from a lower or different background or them that they've already made up their opinion about, so therefore they don't want them prayed for, they don't want them healed, they don't want them restored. Here's another thing. As I, bring, I really need to bring this in. Jesus is teaching them some. Like I said, this was the last year. Because you know, there's no more teaching in parables here. This is what he's teaching that many of you know, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have again in the name of Jesus. Well, that's, oh, so there's so much there he's teaching. So that he, they can spot agendas and difference between real faith. This woman had faith, she had love, she had hope. And that's what they needed to know and learn. Let me read this out. This is 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 7. You know it well. It's spoke at every wedding. Isn't that sad? As if that means it. Spoke at heathen weddings. Two heathens getting married. Let's read 1 Corinthians 13 as if it was a romantic scripture. <laughs> no, that's what they think. Let's read 1 Corinthians 13, the romantic scripture. I love you, I love you, I love you. It's nothing to do with that. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels. Think of prayer here, okay? But I've not love, I have became a sounding brass, a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. See, here, here, here's what it's telling you at the beginning. See if you don't have love. It doesn't matter what you're praying about. It doesn't matter what you're hoping for. And it doesn't matter what you're desiring. It's all got to go the wrong way. And then it goes on and says this. Love suffers long. 
I think that's what that woman's doing, isn't it? She's able to suffer long. It's kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's never looking for stuff, isn't it? No. Except for them. Jesus says, I'm not here but to save them and the little dogs. And she says, yeah, you're... See? Because our love is that, you know, love never fails. And then it says, verse 13. And now abide faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Love's the greatest because it's all that's left. And it'll all be left when we go to heaven. You won't have faith or hope, you'll only have love. God doesn't have faith, he doesn't have hope, he only has love. God is love. And faith and hope is encompassed in it. And this is what Jesus is teaching. And if we only teach about this woman's great faith, but we don't teach about why she's got great faith. I've got great faith because I love Jesus. And I've got great love because I've got faith in Jesus. It's the same thing, isn't it? Faith, hope, compass them. You can't have faith without it. You can't have hope without it. They need love and order to be complete to love is to know Jesus and only Jesus is the answer to your life and everybody that we love if we don't lead them to Jesus then we don't and if it's not about leading them to Jesus and saying there's no other answer Justin will no day justice will no day Jesus her total faith in Jesus was born out of her total love for her daughter see that her total faith in Jesus was born out of total love for her daughter and vice versa. Otherwise she didn't truly love or truly have faith at all. Her love didn't seek her own. It didn't parade itself. It wasn't easily offended. Hence it suffered long. She didn't behave rudely or react. Never thought less of Jesus because of his answer. She bore all things. She believed all things. She hoped all things. We hear this read out in weddings. as in romantic setting about marriage and romance. It's not. It's about a love that's encompassed full of faith in Christ. Only Christ. Macrothemia is the Greek word. Meaning it, it's a love that endures. It's patient. It's a love that isn't circumstantial. It's a love that's kind. Christiomia. Not a Greek word that means it's useful. It's only for serving and it's only for goodwill for mankind and it's to be gracious always. And when we pray, we, as he explains at the start of this, these verses, they mean nothing if love's not the core. I'm going to get you to come up, Fraser, and we'll close. And when we pray, we must first rid ourselves of our selfishness and our selfish desires and our selfish ambition. And we must become like this woman, this Syrophoenician woman who, I hear them all talking about her faith, but oh my, do you not see her love? Is it no love for her daughter that's driving her? Is it no love for people that should be driving us to prayer? Is it no love for people that drives us? And as we go to pray, we're going to pray for our families here. All our families. They in Christ and them outside Christ, but oh, we have to go in love, no in judgment. And some of us, when they wrong us and they do us wrong, and they, we start praying in judgment, or we stop praying, or we start looking for worldly solutions for our life, it's, Jesus hasn't come through because he's no answered. He ignored us when we answered. And because he ignored us when we answered, it doesn't mean he said we stop asking. 
He never answered this. This didn't mean no. And I don't want to go all Armenian about the reason we've not got our breakthrough is because we've not prayed enough or we don't have faith enough. I don't want to go down that road because that becomes then prosperity gospel. I don't want to go down that road. But just simply say that we have to rid ourselves of selfish things and, and bitter things and arrogant things in order to pray in faith. We, we have to be full of love. And I think that's what was when I was listening to that message and other people at the weekend and it was brilliant. But how can you talk about that message? I thought, how can you talk about that message but with, and miss out the very thing? That woman's not going to wake on, Jesus loves me. That woman's going to wake on. It doesn't even say whether her daughter's there. Her daughter will not be there. You do know that. Her daughter's no way with her at the time. She'll probably be chained or tied down somewhere. That's what they've done. Listen, they didn't do that 2,000 years ago. They done that 50 years ago. Tied people down and gave them electric shock treatment and all sorts. So this, this young girl would have been tied down. I want you to get a picture of this. I want you to get a picture of this woman that she'd told. So it's mixed. It's faith, it's hope, it's love all encompassed. And the greatest is love. Just think about it when Jesus says, oh, be unto you. See when he says, be unto you, do you know what that means? It means he saved her. She gets saved. Is he? He bothering about me. Hey, you, but your daughter's healed. No longer chained. She'll be no longer salivating. She'll no longer be tied down. She'll no longer be bound in chains, which she would have probably been severely demon possessed. It says. And she walks home with you. That's love. That's what love does. It breaks the chains, the bondage in people's life who are far from Christ. That's what it does ones them that but I know even a little scrappy what you say has got enough power in it to heal it's got enough power to save enough power to heal phone I think it's one of the things that effectively they restored them and we love enough and maybe some say I need to love more maybe we've got an opinion about them Maybe we've got an opinion about them because of what they've done to us. It can happen, can it? We can have an opinion about them because of what they've done to us. But don't charge it against them. As Stephen says, don't charge it against them. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus says, remember if they hate me, they hated, they hate you, they hated me for. And this season for their souls, for their salvation. That God sees that he so does what he did with that woman great is your faith great is your faith thanks for listening to this podcast from Hope United you can stay connected with us through our Facebook Twitter and Instagram pages